Hello and welcome to the Three Musketeers podcast. Introducing the brothers behind it, Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Join them on their journey as they discuss unconventional topics from different perspectives. Real experience with key speakers around the world. Hello and welcome back to another FN episode. The reason I said FN warning, our next guest is going to use a lot of profanity. I'm only messing. Are you not going to say we apologize for missing a few weeks? We tried to record a few episodes, but it's hard to do it while we're fasting. Yeah, yeah, we tried. We, we, we tried and, you know, halfway through the episode, had some fell asleep. So, you know, just thrown out there. Anyways, we're back with an episode. This time it's Jennifer Teriani. I'm going to call Jen because we're best buddies. Jen will say, who are you? Expert in company culture and leadership and development. And having spent 15 years working with some of the world's most prestigious companies, Jen has decided to jump on our podcast and, and talk about her experience and her journey. Jen, welcome to our episode. I'm going to hand over to you and let you give yourself an introduction. And obviously a big thank you from us to being on our podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I will just say before I start, and I know I've said this to you one-on-one, but you know, once you start, once people realize you've got something to say, people ask you to do things. And this was one of the things I got asked to do that I was most thrilled to say yes to. So thank you for having me. I'm really very honored. Thank you. So yeah, 15 years learning and leadership development. It was my whole career. And one day I realized I was setting snake oil and it doesn't work. The way that we treat company culture, the way that we develop company culture, the way that we develop leaders doesn't work and it never has. And we do the same things over and over again in learning development departments and company culture and the way that leaders lead isn't changing. And so I had a a bit of a an awakening, let's say. It kind of coincided with my spiritual journey and being on a pilgrimage and all kinds of other things that were happening to me at that time. And I realized that the problem was is that we are trying to do learning when we should be doing unlearning. And my company was born and it's called Fistera for the last place at the end of the pilgrimage that I did, which is where the, it's the end of the world, how it translates is the end of the world. And it's the place where I have found the most wholeness in my own self, the most self-acceptance. And I realized that if other people could feel that level of self-acceptance for themselves, then they would make decisions from that place as leaders. And that was what company culture actually needed. And here we are. Wow. I love the name, Fistera. And to be fair, Jen, it's our pleasure for you, our pleasure for you to be on our podcast. That is right, isn't it? Yeah, I'm just trying to say it in the wrong way around. So we want to talk about the, the word you mentioned, unlearning. We could have chosen so many topics today, but ideally we want to talk about what you just mentioned, the culture and the leadership and how we act with our behavior and what you call unlearning. So let's let's start with the business culture. I'm sure we all heard you know, business talking about culture and how they want to make it fun, like Google and Facebook and how they say culture of the business is key. And without that, we're not going to thrive and, you know, hit the numbers. I want to know from your experience, Jen, is how many times have you heard that phrase, you know, culture, but also from your perspective, is it over the years has become a buzzword for the sake of saying it, or is it something if you were doing that culture change, what would you do to unpick it? Mm. Oh, now you're asking. Here's a controversial opinion. And probably my first swear of the episode. Culture <laughs> and values are bullshit. They are an absolute waste of time. And how it usually works is either somebody somewhere picks a load of words and decides these are the values. Or, you know, if, you're partic- if you think you're particularly collaborative as an organization, then you'll get a bunch of people together and say, what are our values? What does that mean? There'll be some workshops or something like that. And ultimately you end up with about five words and they are always the same types of words. So there'll be something that sounds modern or forward thinking 
or there'll be a word that's something like trust, honesty, openness, integrity. They're all words that mean the same thing. There'll be something related to the client or customer, be like customer first or client forward. <laughs> or I don't know why. Whenever I start talking about this, I do that voice and I don't know why. Um, probably because I think it's not very good. There usually be something about care and the community or the planet or diversity, but something that shows that we care and another, right? So broadly, if you were to get everybody's company values, I'd be able to stick them on a spreadsheet that would probably have no more than five columns because they are much of a muchness. And then they're branded, which is terribly expensive. And we get a load of branded merch, some stress balls or some notebooks or whatever. You know, everybody listening to this that works in any kind of corporate organization <laughs> would have seen some branded something somewhere, right? Yep. And then we say, this is how we do things here. So, you know, when you ask anybody what's company culture, what's the definition of company culture, they will say, it's the way we do things here. Well, if we break that down, the way we, being a bunch of individuals, do things our behavior. But the reality is, is it's probably not the way we do things. Because people, when they are faced with making a decision, whether it's a very conscious one, like, hey, guys, we have to make a decision on this, or it's a subconscious one, a, a reactive kind of reflex decision, whether they send an email or spend some budget or whatever it is, nobody is referencing those values and saying, oh, our company values are this, we should do this they will make the decision that serves them and probably subconsciously. So you've already, you've already touched on this thing about behavior and on our programming. We create our personality and our behavior over a lifetime. We're born, we pick up a lot of cues about what and who it's okay for us to be in the world in order to fit in, to be liked, to get ahead, to get paid, to survive on some level, whether very literally or just yeah socially and that creates our behavior which is then subconscious it becomes our program it's literally like a computer program it runs what actually happens that's what's causing our behavior the way we do things here right so to have a set of values it's just nonsense and people know how they should behave for the most part people know what's right and wrong but they do or don't do it not based on the branded stuff that you got they do it based on what is going to serve them and preserve them, basically. And so unlearning is the process of saying, what do you do on an individual level as a leader or as an employee that's not maybe brilliant? What do you actually do? And it might be, you know, we've got a, a value of honesty, but I avoid giving direct feedback. Okay, well, that actively contradicts the value, doesn't it? Or we have a value of collaboration, but I am always taking credit for other people's work and dominating projects and meetings. Well, that actively contradicts it as well. So if as individuals, we can take responsibility for our own little glitches, you know, it doesn't mean that any of us are wrong. We're just human. This is a human experience. And unlearn, work out where it came from, work out at what point in our life we started doing that and why it makes it much, much easier to kind of interrupt the behavioral muscle memory and stop. So that's how unlearning, I think, is the only answer to creating healthy and honest company culture, not a branded thing, which is actually quite dishonest. It's a piece of advertising and something which is true. So I was, I was laughing and smiling as you were talking about this. And the reason is I've been on three different organizations where they've invited me as SLT, whatever, one of the people who, who they want to contribute on their vision and mission statement. And it's exactly what you said. <laughs> it's a workshop and they set the agenda. I never forget this. I'm not going to mention where set the agenda saying, okay, we want it to be something catchy. Like, you know, Mike just got, just do it. You know, they got <laughs> like a few words. And I remember I was in, one of them, I, I piped up and I said, well, look, the reality is you said you wanted to be some schnazzy and et cetera. First of all, your sector is different. Also, why not? Cause when you say just do it, it's vague, but then it's, it's Nike and there's reasons behind it, but you're in a different sector. So when I was making suggestions, they were saying, yeah, but you know, I don't like it. And it's exactly what you said. They already 
had an idea what it should look like, but then they got us all together. They're separate in groups. What you had is the brand team or the marketing team saying, hmm, that's not, uh, that's not sales or catchy enough. No, they were like, they were like, oh, well, yeah, I like it. Let's, let's just park that. We'll just make a note. And eventually after through the conversation, I just said, you know, I can't be asked. So I just switched off from the conversation and whatever they said in, in my group, I said, yeah, 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 you're right. Let's go with that. Yeah. And they could tell, cause they were like, so Hamid, what do you think? Cause you know, you suggested something. I was like, well, look, it's, it's not my decision. It is, it's collective decision. If that's what you want, then, then go for it. It wasn't me getting peed off. I could just see very early on that there's no, you're not asking my opinion for the sake of, you're not asking my opinion. You want to know it. You're just asking for the sake of asking. And that's what made me laugh because what Jen said is, is very true. Those words, funny enough, were there, you know, customer and, and customer focus and integrity. So, but what you're saying is if I say I'm the CEO of company X and I say my, my vision is honesty and integrity, but I don't display those behaviors. If Heston reports into me and he doesn't see those, are you saying subconsciously that has a, like a double negative impact, if that makes sense? Could do. It will also, I mean, let's, can we just go back a tiny bit? Because there's something you said that's just such gold, but I can't let it go. You said the thing about Nike, just do it, right? Yeah. So that's their, let's say that's their value. It's not, you know, it's kind of their branding, but let's say it's the value. That's the way we do things here. We just do it. In the context of what they sell, sportswear, it basically means get out for that run, get into the gym, just do it. Just, you know, no excuses, just do it. Does the fact that that's their tagline mean that you're going to get off the sofa, switch off Netflix and have the run? Just because that's the tagline, just because that's the word they use, doesn't mean it translates when there's something more comfortable that you can do. So in the context of sport and running and that brand, it's more comfortable to sit on the sofa and eat chips. That's what I do when I should be running in theory. You could then replace that with something like integrity or honesty or giving feedback and being direct or being collaborative. When there's something more comfortable for you as an individual, that's what you'll do. So if it's uncomfortable to give direct feedback, you'll go for the more comfortable thing and just not have the conversation. If it's more comfortable for you to take credit for other people's stuff because it makes you feel good and important and probably gets you a massive bonus, you will do that over being collaborative. And that's what we need to get to is, is what's the thing that stops you from, from doing the other thing. But yeah, it has an impact on everyone else. You know, I'm sure you've worked with leaders who are not brilliant, you know, to your point about if you have a leader who's not honest, for instance, yeah. it has a massive impact on you. You know, there's always statistics floating around about how people, 70% of people don't leave organizations, they leave leaders. But does that mean the leader ever changes? No, you just, you just fill the vacancy again. It doesn't mean, and then maybe you send a leader on a, a soft skills workshop, as they're commonly called, makes my hair stand on end, that term, I hate it. And they'll probably teach them like a leadership model. So let's say, you know, let's say the leader's dishonest in some way, perhaps because they're avoidant. They'll send them on an assertiveness skills workshop where they're going to learn a model to have a difficult, you know, conversation of some kind, which will be like, or to, to have a conversation. It'll be express your need, acknowledge their need, ask them what they think. Okay, well, that's a robotic script, which is not terribly useful for anybody anyway, but it still hasn't undone the need that drives the behavior. So this, this, this leader is never going to change. And then we say, great, well, we dealt with that. We set them on the workshop. Everything's going to be fine. That leader's probably never going to use the model at all. But if they do, then all you've done is created a robot. You haven't actually changed much. So what you're, what you're saying is you, you're not changing the leader's behavior or correcting it. You're just telling them portray or message to how you're saying differently. Yeah. You, you're masking a problem, aren't you, really? Yeah. If they even do it at all, this is the thing. If people go in these workshops, they learn these scripts, they probably do the dreaded role play at the end of the workshop. Nobody likes those. Again, it's acting, isn't it? But when they leave the workshop, there's no reason to even do the acting. There's no reason to go and ever have this intelligent conversation that somebody says is intelligent. I argue that it's not. 
you're just not changing the behavior. They will go back to doing what they've always done because you're not interrupting the behavioral muscle memory. You have to do that. You have to get in and say, right, what's really happening here? Where does it come from individually? How can you make peace with that? Also acknowledging that it needs to be a constant practice as well. Something that happens in a half-day workshop doesn't change anything. You have to practice all the time. You have to be noticing yourself all the time, noticing what you're doing and not doing, being compassionate towards yourself for the ways in which you haven't quite got it right. And the programs that you created were to protect you to begin with. There needs to be some some honouring of that as well. That's when you get real change. And I think the thing that kind of gets under my skin the most of the many things is that you'll hear learning development people calling that transformation, that that workshop thing. It's not. Unless somebody is, you know, realistically, radically transformed, stop using that word. It's not transformation. You'll say, oh, the culture transformation. I've done leadership transformation. No, you haven't. You've done a really shit workshop with some ugly PowerPoint slides and annoying role play. That's not transformation. Wait there. So you're telling me a half a day workshop is not going to change someone from being a twat. (laughs) (laughs) Who could have seen this come in? (laughs) I mean, it's, I mean, we're stating the obvious and yet people are building their entire careers on this stuff. I did for a while as well, 15 years as it goes. But this is the thing is that's what and the kind of budget gets in the way as well. It's that people say, oh, yeah, we want a transformative leadership program. And I'll say, OK, right, it's going to take this much time and this much money. And they're like, yeah, we're thinking half day workshop for about a quarter of that budget. And I'm like, well, then you don't want transformation. Bye. So I think. For me, and I, I, I kind of I don't want to recap because it leads to the next point, which I really want to discuss in details. For the listeners out there and, and the audience, what we probably say and what Jen probably made the reference to is something we've all gone through. I'm looking at Hesam myself nodding along, and obviously Jen's had tons of experience where we've worked in an organization, we might be running an organization, and we use these archaic methods and methodologies let's go with our words this is my big words for the day archaic and methodology that's all i've got i googled earlier um <laughs> you know we use these these typical you know uh, as as jen mentioned robotic way of doing things and we think that's actually driving and changing people's behavior going forward we actually think that helps their attrition and that improves their i've done so many annual surveys on on you know how we how we you know feedback etc and we think putting these courses a half a day is actually fixing the problem but i think what jen is saying and i hope a lot of people can probably understand and appreciate in reality is you're making the problem worse and we're having a frank conversation here so for all the listeners out there if you're a ceo if you're sitting on that level that you're influencing realize what you might be signing off for that half a day isn't fixing the problem. It might be actually making it worse. And what I want to do now, and I'll hand over to to Jen, is what should we actually be doing as leaders, organization, people, doesn't matter where you sit, what would actually fix our behaviors that will help us going forward? And I want to talk about unlearning so we've heard Jen mentioned unlearning. Jen, do you want to just give us a brief intro to what unlearning means? And obviously, the, the naming is mm. it's you know it's clear it's you unlearn, but obviously, to put into practical examples, and mm. then we'll go off that because here's some got some bicycle example, you know, that yeah. he's been practicing. Yeah, I think I know what, what's coming. I'm not sure. Right, here's as brief as I can get it at the moment. So there was this poet sufi poet called rumi who lived in the 13th century and he said your task is not to seek for love but merely to seek and find all the barriers you have built within yourself against it so if you take love out of that quote although it works really nicely for love as well but put in whatever it is you're trying to achieve as a leader or as an organization it's the barriers that we need to seek and find so it's the, the things, you know, we go back to this idea of the things that made us comfortable. Yeah. We need to see and find what, what level of comfort we're really attached to. Is the level of comfort, the bonus, the status, the fitting in. 
can you acknowledge that that's what's really driving your behavior? That in a nutshell is what unlearning is. Now, the how to do it <laughs> is a little bit more complicated, but if I was, you know, I'm not going to give away all my methodology, but in essence, I would say a really no-nonsense mindfulness practice, first of all, and I don't mean meditating. I do often teach mindfulness by starting with the, the basics of mindfulness meditation. But basically what I mean is check yourself before you wreck yourself. Can you watch yourself in the moment all the time to notice what you're doing? Because most of the time we do things without noticing that we do them. Then there's like a, an applied practice to it. So how do you understand, okay, I've noticed my behavior now. I've traced it back to understand where it comes from. I've made peace with that little broken part of me that created that behavior. And now I can go back to noticing in the moment when I'm about to do or not do the thing that I should or shouldn't be doing. And it's like a loop. It's actually a little bit of time travel. It's present moment, going back to the past, present moment, going back to the past. And I think the reason, you know, you mentioned these CEOs before, you said, you know, don't keep signing off on that. And people do it because it's quick and easy and cheap and it's what we've always done. It's better to invest once because once you understand unlearning, you can just apply it to everything. You don't have to keep buying or delivering the same, you know, loads and loads of different courses, difficult conversations, assertiveness, communication, diversity and inclusion. You don't have to do loads of different stuff with loads of different methodologies. You have to understand the basic methodology of unlearning and then you can literally apply it to everything. And that's all you need to do. I'm going to, I've got tons of questions, which is good, but I'm going to hand over to Hesam because he wants to talk about his bi yeah, bicycle scenario. I want to hear this. I, it's not my bicycle scenario. I was just, I was intrigued and I was reading about unlearning. I think, I don't know, it was like an article in journal written. So there was a guy, let me just get his name right, Destin Sandler. He was a mechanic engineer. So what they did is they created a bicycle, which is sort of backwards. So if you turn right, it goes left. And if you turn left, it goes right. And he tried, they he had a bet with his engineers, like how long would it take him to ride the cycle? You know, if you'd learn how to ride a bike, you think it'd be quite easy. Yeah. It took him years so his experience was going, you can't unlearn something that we've been doing for a long time that this quickly. Is, this is, well, this, and this is what Jen's saying. It takes practice. It takes, you know, I don't want to put people off and say it can't be undone, but it's not a quick fix, a half an hour course or half a day course. You actually need to unpick and unlearn. The, the steps just Jen mentioned is, is probably what your friend Destin. It's, it's not my friend. It's oh, okay. I, I thought these you were your bike <laughs> I think that's, I think that's what we're getting at is the reference you've put there is to understand your true internal behaviors, but also actually see them. So we always do this. And again, Jen, you've probably seen them and has you've probably done them. These personality, uh, you know, questionnaires. The, the green, red, the what green, are you? Red, don't yellow, bring that yeah. up if you don't want me to swear again, please. Like, I hate those. <laughs> no, no. Check my stage. Like. No, leave it in. <laughs> They're so bad. You do these courses. I've gone to so many of them and it's different. And I've had, I've challenged it and I've said, well, I, you can't put me into one single box because my brain doesn't work in that way. But again, it's, I think what surprised me is there was one that they had like little, that words, associations, actions, different colors. I don't really care. And they said, who do you think is the closest and how I thought I'm perceived and how these so people in the group would say the closest person to this sentence, for example, you know, someone who I go to is kind hearted. That wasn't an example. I'm not saying that's me. It was probably something worse, worse. but what they bought for me would surprise me because I never saw myself associating with that, with that sentence. What was the sentence? I can't remember. I'm not going to say it because it's probably, it was very good. It was like, hey, Hamid is so, so nice. That's what it was. And I couldn't just, it, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, you two, you, what you do is you drop the mics all over the place and I can't, there's so many mic drops. It's so good that I can't, I can always not circle back to, to all the, the great points you've made. So let's what start Jen there. Saying, what Jen's saying is shut up. I've got a point to make. Sorry, no. Jen, go on. <laughs> I, no, I want to tell you why I'm kind of saying that, but there's just so much good in it. Like this, like, you know, sometimes you have these conversations, you're like, this is like pulling teeth with you guys. It's like, no, there's too much good stuff. So let's do the bicycle first. Cause that's not what I was expecting you to say. I thought it was going to be this thing that people do about how you should be riding the bicycle from the back, which is just awful. 
But what you're talking about, and the reason it was so hard for that guy, your friend, apparently. To... It's not my friend. He's not my friend. <laughs> I put it out there. I don't know Destin. Destin, if you listen to this ever, you're like. Calls him D. Hey, D. <laughs> I would like. To, I'd like to cycle with you one day. Just backwards. Like, just let the point. Shh, be quiet. <laughs> Are people actually going to listen to this? Yeah, they are. Uh, but the reason he couldn't do it the reason it took him so long is because it, he was reliant his brain was reliant on muscle memory and what i talk about often is behavioral muscle memory and that's it's equally as hard to interrupt your behavioral muscle memory so that was an amazing point and i loved it moving on to personality profiling so there's, there's kind of two bits to that. There's the one which is like, let's say it works really well and the personality profiling tool that you've used says you are a this colour word set of letters. This means you do this. Now, what? <laughs> like, and so what? And you might get, especially with the one that uses the colours, they'll say things like, this person likes to be communicated to in this way, so you should be more like this I just don't think that does enough like it's it's not going into the whys that actually interrupt and change behavior at best you might say oh this person's a yellow so you should ask them how they are when you send them an email or this person's a blue so you should give them detail it just doesn't that's not changing behavior is that going to make you any more honest or any more collaborative no it isn't but the other thing that's really interesting is that this unlearning process is often called shadow work and the shadow is the subconscious part of ourselves that we can't or won't see for whatever reason so your example where you said no that's not me is because it is subconscious to you it's what's known as as your shadow so let's say it is that you're super super kind and lovely and amazing you might not be able to see that because your programming has taught you should be always humble or self-critical might be a more extreme example of that. So, I mean, this is what's actually known as the golden shadow. There's two types of shadows, the dark shadow, which is the ways in which you're not that pleasant. And then there's the ways in which you are amazing and cannot see it or maybe hide it. You know, sometimes you see in families, somebody who's incredibly creative, but only academia is prized and rewarded. And so they stifle all their creativity. And they believe that they are either not creative or shouldn't be creative. And a big part of them is missing. Or, you know, somebody is incredibly kind and generous and, you know, a great person, but they're always beating themselves up and telling themselves they're not because they've been taught they should be either humble or self-critical or perfectionist or something like that. So if we could unlearn all these habits and behaviours and belief systems, just imagine what amazing humans we could be and how much kinder we could be to ourselves and other people and what that would then do for organizations. And then the leaders, the decision makers that make decisions for the world, for humanity, for the planet, which let's face it, is a bit of a mess. I just got golden shadows. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Golden shadows. Yeah. No, do you know what? It's the example that Jen just gave, the golden shadow. So people always said to me, oh, you know, yeah, you're amazing, etc." And I said, no, I'm not. I'm just me. Don't, don't who are these people who've told Hamid Amiri is amazing? Let me get my point across. It's a serious point. It's the first time ever that Jen's mentioned two things. Am I self-critical or I just don't see myself or I just, I can't work it out. But what you mentioned seems to be my automatic behavior. And I think what you're saying to me, not just to me, but to the audience, but that to me resonates very strongly, is as leaders, if we actually know our, the impact our, of our behaviors. Forget about just work, outside work. Because for me, being able to take a praise without feeling... So I get, I always get a praise and say, oh, thank you, you're amazing. I, I genuinely, it's a, it's a weird feeling. I'm like, just stop. I can't, I, almost like my brain can't comprehend it. I'm like, just, just stop. It's just stop. So f- for you, Jen, it's, it's just an example. What is, what is causing that? It could be any number of things. I can I can make some assumptions if you're willing for me to make some assumptions about Go you. For it. But I've noticed in the you know the short time the short like correspondence that we've had the conversations we've had is that you always pass the credit to somebody else. I've noticed you saying that things are like kind of to be of service to other people. I've noticed that you say you do that because your mum taught you to. I've noticed that a lot of things that you do are for your brother. 
and there's I, I noticed in you a reluctance to step into your own spotlight and to acknowledge your own greatness now where that comes from I couldn't fathom exactly give me about half an hour to coach you we'll work it out but imagine if you were able to just fully own your like your magnificence and that's you know everybody is magnificent and wonderful there's a quote Marianne Williamson I, I'm going to word it I haven't got it off the top of my head but it's like our deepest fear is not that we are inferior but that we are powerful beyond measure which is the truth and magnificent beyond measure which I wish I had the quote exactly to hand we can dig it out but we all have a lot of us have that in us and if we're toning ourselves down in that way if we're unwilling to see our own greatness then we're actually holding back more of our potential if we could acknowledge that we are humans are amazing and have infinite potential then just think what we could do for the world and also it's just nicer to be nice to yourself and when people make decisions from a place of holding themselves back or not liking themselves they're not usually the best decisions at the very least you'll just be keeping yourself small and not reaching your full potential but potentially you could also make decisions that are not brilliant and when you learn to really ultimately unlearning will will set you free People say to me things like, oh, Jen, can you, come and, can you come and do one learning for team trust or for our culture? And yeah, kind of, it will, that's a nice byproduct of it. But the only real reason to do it is to set yourself free and to like yourself more and to be kind of at peace with yourself. And then when you do that, the decisions that you make are great ones, but also life just gets a lot more pleasurable. I spent most of my life not liking myself very much until I unlearned to not like myself now my life's pretty good it almost sounds like and i'll come back to to your observation about me and i don't mind i'll be completely transparent it almost sounds like when you go through this process of unlearning you make decisions internally aligned and happy and content where if not you probably make it with external factors impacting it which is doesn't sound healthy from your observation to me, you're 100% right. I'm not going to avoid it. Uh, you know, that's that's true. But my fear is if I own it, I will lose m- my humbleness, if that's the right word. But also I, 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 my, my, my worry is that I'll become arrogant if I think I'm amazing. If I own my amazingness, if that, it, like internally, I might say, oh, actually I'm really good. But I would never want to, not admit it, but actually own it. Cause I just feel like then that's crossing the very fine line between self-confidence and arrogance. Overconfidence. And that's, that's quite common. Actually, most, there are variations on it, depending kind of what, usually what country and what religion you, you grow up in, because there are some that are very extreme towards humility. And there are others where a little bit of pride and arrogance is quite prized. And I'm not going to say which ones, but somewhere you will have learned, you will have picked up, that humility is a good thing and arrogance is bad. Now, it might have been literally spoken. You might you might have grown up in a family where people either said, oh, look, at, don't be arrogant, don't show off, don't be too much, don't be too loud. You might have just heard it spoken about other people who does he or she think they are. It might also be that you just, you know, you were perhaps you spoke up one time early in school and the teacher said, no, be quiet, sit down someone else's turn you know sometimes it's really spoken and explicit and sometimes it's unspoken and implicit and it can be it'll be everything it'll be the culture you grow up in the family you grow up in the movies you watched as a child you know I've noticed that there's some very unhealthy messaging in the movie Greece, which a lot of people picked up on I grew up in a time when magazines for teenage girls had incredibly unhealthy messaging around how you should look and how you should behave and what you should and shouldn't do within relationships that I've had to unlearn and deprogram. But it's all subtle. It's all the things that you're exposed to all the time will create that. And ideally, it's good if we can get to a point where we can work out when you picked that up. But actually, we don't have to. The fact that you've identified it it will start to take its power away. So if I may do a little metaphor, when you're a child and you're lying in bed at night, you'll, you might see a shadow behind the door and you'll think, shit, it's a monster. You probably didn't think shit because you probably didn't use that word at that age, but it's terrifying. And that monster is a terrifying beast that's got all this power. 
if you were to get out of bed where it's safe and warm, but the threat is there and the threat has power, cross the carpet, which is probably a swamp in your childhood mind, and switch on the light, you find it was your jacket that you've hung on the back of the door and suddenly it loses its power. It's not a monster anymore. And this is kind of the, the process that we need to get to. The messaging around whatever it is, let's say humility, currently has power and it affects your behaviour and keeps you small and hiding in your bed. But if you're to switch the light on and go, oh, it's that. Oh, yeah, that's, that's not even really a thing anymore. Then it loses its power and you can you can be everything you want to be. And you can still keep an eye on things and try not to be too arrogant. Ideally, you have someone like your brother around to say, mate, come on, feel a bit much. Someone that you trust to give you feedback. But, you know, what if? What else could you do? So, so I think... And someone's nodding, like when you said, you know, you, you're, you're a great brother. And I was like, Jen's just give you an example. She didn't mention you, just she's just saying as an example. No. Just um, to... I'll keep you humble all the time. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> what siblings are for. I think this leads us on to self-awareness because unlearning doesn't have to stop in the workplace. I mean, it's not just for work environments. It is just our day-to-day life. Because I was listening to Professor Green. If you don't, if people don't know who he is, he's a rapper slash grime artist. We we're going all hip. We try. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking all about his self awareness and him realizing what type of person he is before he could change the type of person he is. It is literally that. So then, when we talk about working environment, it's different. But if you are in a complete different environment you have to be self-aware of the type of person you are before you can even make those changes otherwise you just add in stuff and then you you're not really fixing the issue we went really deep psychological there yeah but it is it's psychology it's kind of pop psychology you know doesn't have to be too academic but yeah in essence it's a bit of psychology so let's cover i guess the self-awareness we talked about it and how important it is, you know, for for a probably lot of, lot of audience. They've probably heard self awareness somewhere, but again, is over the years. I I I've got a feeling it's become a buzzword. Not because it's it's not crucial, but because people don't actually understand how to unpick it. How do I how do I how do I become more self aware? Because self aware works very closely in hand to hand with emotional intelligence because you, and again Jane can correct me if I'm wrong if you have a high EQ then you're more self-aware and and, and etc so I might be wrong maybe give us a bit of breakdown of if I'm a novice and I've just heard the word self-awareness what do I do to actually work out what that is and heighten my self-awareness I love this so most people in a, especially in corporate settings but not necessarily think that self-awareness is like, like it's kind of how to play the political game. I know how I come across, so I know how to influence this situation. Like I know how to, you know, schmooze this person or influence that person. I know how I'm coming across. I know how to present in a really great way. It's become, and this is part, this is something that needs to be unlearned in itself. What self-awareness really is, is this mindfulness practice that I've mentioned, being able to to notice yourself. And one of the very basic introductory ways in which I teach this is I say, right, feel your feet, not with your hands, but, you know, providing this is available to you physically and neurologically, take your attention, your noticing to your feet, specifically the soles of them, but it doesn't matter. So if you do this with me now, can you feel the place where the the sole of the foot meets the floor? Can you notice what's there? Like, can you notice, are they warm? Are they cold? Are they comfortable or uncomfortable? Like, what can you notice in your feet? So just seeing what's there, what, what, what they feel like right now. And the reason for this is because you've been using your feet since you woke up this morning and throughout your whole life. So you have probably clothed them this morning to keep, you've noticed if, you know, on some level you have felt if they were warm or cold and you've maybe put some socks on if they were feeling a bit cold you've walked on them so you're using 
thousands, or it's not thousands, it's a bit of an exaggeration. You're using a lot of muscles in your feet to walk and to keep balance. And so you're responding to the texture of whatever floors that you're on, which allow you to keep balance and using the muscles in order to walk. And so you've been using them. You must have been feeling them to some extent because you are responding to them. But until I said it, had you noticed them? Had you really been present with them? And it's the same for our behavior and our thought processes. So when you become mindful, you're not thinking about the last conversation you had that really annoyed you or the to-do list that's coming up, you know, whatever it is, wherever your mind usually goes, you're becoming really present with yourself and your being. And that's when you can notice your behavior and act and act accordingly instead of being in this constant doing, feeling, but actually not noticing. And most of us are not in noticing, you know, we're, we're anywhere but in the present moment. So that's what real self-awareness is. It's noticing, being here, being present. Do you know what? That is a beautiful explanation. I actually had my eyes closed as you were talking. It's almost was mocking, you know, the, 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 my feet saying, you know. I was mocking your feet. No, I was thinking uh, <laughs> about self-awareness and thinking... There's probably a lot of time we've done this unconscious when we're a lot younger, how we've tweaked and said, okay, this is not how I should sort of behave. Let me just tweak it. And we do it constantly when we're a lot younger. When we get older, it's a bit hard to be more self-aware and say that's not the right way. Do you see what I mean? Where do you look confused, Hamid? I'm just thinking, I'm just going back in time and I'm just, you know, just like everything else, when you're younger, you're in... Jen probably have a um, exit view, you know, you, yeah, you're in that development phase. So you, are you more naturally susceptive? Big word. I like that word. Thank you. To, <laughs> to, to your behaviors and how, how they come across. And do you get to a stage or an age or the first time you go to a job or whatever, then you feel like, okay, this is my set behavior. But what Jen, I think has alluded to, and rightly so is we should never stop oh, I've made it, um, I've got my first job, this is how I should behave. Because constantly you're, you're learning, but also as you grow up, you have probably picked up bad habits. I think, you know, Jen mentioned throughout the conversation, you know, from from friends, family, culture, behaviors, situation, society. So you have to be able to, the, the words Jen mentioned, which I love that, you know, notice present, just be aware. It's there's an allergy of defeat. It's, it's always there, but unless you don't pay attention to it, you don't know that it's doing all this stuff without you realizing. And that's what Jen is saying is that we have these behaviors, but if we don't take a moment and actually check ourselves, check, check yourself. Before, well, I, wreck check yourself. before well, I wreck ourselves. I've, I've got a really good example. It's very small and tiny though, in terms of the perspective of things. So, you know how we say in work, you've got to be aware of how you present or you ask stuff. So I remember when I was in high school, I never used to say please when I ordered stuff. And then Hamid's next to me whenever I was there. It's like when you just say thank you or please every time. Do you remember this? Every time I went to Subway, I never used to say please. Yeah, because a woman in school baguette bar told me off. I said, can I get a baguette? And then she was like, you need to say please. And then I, <laughs> I was like, okay. And thank you. And then since then, yeah, I, I always... So we, we were so not sort of self-aware, but we changed our behavior. We weren't always this well-spoken, me and Hamid. We're, we're still not well-spoken, just to clarify. What Jen said about self-awareness is beautiful. Often understanding it, you know, I, I guess the question is, once you know what it is, then you can try and work out how do you unpick it and unlearn it. And I think it, it leads probably to a, to not, not the final uh, point, but I think at the beginning of the conversation, Jen, we said we want to have those golden nuggets. So if you had to do three top tips for people, organizations, audience, what would they be in regards of, you know, unlearning, how do they move forward? How do they, what is the starting point or what are the three key things they can do today or over the course of a period that could actually help them move forward? I think we've touched on most of it, but it's pretty much a summary. So the first thing is pick one thing 
that you want to work on. Don't try and change everything all at once, but pick one thing that you know is a bit of a, an issue for you. And it might be because somebody's giving you feedback or it might be just because you know. So say, right, I'm going to commit to maybe just allowing people to give me praise. I'm giving you one now, Hamish. You've got a thing to work on. This is your homework. So you can pick a, a t- like a sentence that, that summarizes that. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be willing to see myself for who I am and, and accept praise from people without brushing it away. Let's say it's that. Then start a bit of a mindfulness practice. So see if you can just fill your feet for 30 seconds a day so that you can get into the habit of noticing then take that, that practice and translate it into real life. So noticing how you feel when somebody gives you feedback and, you know, you say you feel embarrassed or whatever, where do you feel that in the body? Notice when you're about to instantly open your mouth to kind of brush away the the feet. Oh, it's not, no, 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 it's not me. It's everybody else, blah, blah, blah. And then really commit to just trying with it and, you know, perhaps start to unpick and explore where your programming comes from. Maybe write down the word humble. Where did the word, you know, what does it mean to be humble? Or what does it mean to be arrogant? What memories do you have of those those things coming up? It might even be something like that story you've just told me about saying please and thank you. Somebody effectively kind of told you off for being a little bit impolite. Is it something like that? Because it's as subtle as that for most people. I mean, yeah, some of us have big traumas and big traumatic experiences that shape our behaviour. But for most of us, it's the subtle ones. It's the times when we were praised or, or punished in some way, the times when we felt welcomed and embraced and the times when we felt a bit told off. So maybe sort of those little tiny memories like that, see, if, see what they mean in the context of that. I am going to throw in that as a, I want to throw in a bit of a safety notice slash trigger warning. Inevitably, we all have traumas in our lives and some people's are bigger than others and some people's are untouched. If you start to explore something like this and it brings up something for you that feels really uncomfortable, go and speak to somebody professional. In the first instance, people are very welcome to come to me and I can usually coach them through it. If it's extreme, it might need like proper therapy. And if it just feels as well unclear and, and difficult, again, go to a really good coach and be mindful, be, um, beware of false prophets because shadow work which is this what it's sometimes called has become really popular recently it's like a bit of a buzzword and people think you know again half day workshop I'm a shadow worker go and find somebody that's been working on themselves for 10 years and is still working on themselves every day like those are the people that can hold your process for you like mainly me come to me come come work with me we will um there's a sales pitch no 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 we will be putting we will be putting your your link into the into the episode and to be fair you've unpicked stuff which has got me thinking and again i'm mindful of not being you know session about me and my issues but i think what you've highlighted is is funny because when i was younger when i was in school i probably had that arrogance behavior and i just wonder because i was arrogant when i when i was younger now i'm always double backing myself from positive, I don't know, acknowledgement because I don't want it to ever get close to that. Maybe, I don't know, but as you, you were saying talking about subtle and maybe it was that, yeah, when I was in school, I, I, you know, I was, that's not shaking his head. No, no, I, I know what it is. What is it? Please. Uh, uh, enlighten us. Dr. Dr. Hassan Amiri. Knowing you the most, I think you're not going to be happy until you've reached that amazing milestone, then you'll take praise. Little things you do, you don't take praise for anymore. And someone said this to me, it's because you, you're looking for something bigger and you don't realize the little stuff that you do or the little things that you've done. So you don't take those as praises, you feel uncomfortable. You think they're not good enough until you reach that huge milestone. Dr. Hassan Amiri, out. That has opened up a whole new world of things to explore. <laughs> part-time doctor, part-time marketer over here. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So I think what I want to do is and we'll, we'll, we'll do the round, round table. So do you want to go next? So Jen's mentioned obviously an example for people to, to unpick. I'm going to give you Dr. Hassan the, the, the mic to, uh, don't use this example, come with your own thing. What would be your advice to the people and, and organizations for, for a way to move forward. I can't wait to have to be serious now. So for, for me, I think 
everyone and this is like a process which should never come to an end i think people should always reach out to jen all the time so that's a plug there as in, like, we don't <laughs> we don't we shouldn't stop being self-aware of our behaviors or unlearning stuff you know i'll always go back to einstein there's a quote that i got from him just digging it up now you can't solve problems without thinking the same way so we always have to adapt and change the way we behave and the way we talk organizations and people to evolve as humans and see our true self over to Hamid Amiri. I think for me, listening to Jen, what we don't realize is how powerful our behavior not only has an impact on ourselves, but people around us. I think we kind of forget about that when we get caught up in, in the life and the, the pace of the world. When you take a moment and step back and realize if I word it differently, if I behave differently, if I knew how I'm coming across to someone I'm reporting to or reporting to me or friend or colleague or, or family, it could influence how they are feeling and behaving and that energy that feeds off to them. So for me, and I'm going to be completely bullish on this here, stop being selfish. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying it to myself and everyone else listening. Take a moment and realize how you're behaving right now isn't just impacting you is impacting people around you. So to understand and be truly self-aware is not just going to help you, but it's going to help people around you. That'd be my golden nugget. In my head, it sounded really good. I want to. I want us to leave it, leave it here, and wrap up the the episode. I do get a sense we might get Jen on a different episode to talk about. We could talk about the. You know, the shadow we mentioned, the golden shadow and the shadow and what that means, the, the analogy you mentioned about, you know, when you're younger and you've got the, you think is a monster, but it's actually your, you know, your, your code. It's, it's, it's really powerful. I want to just thank you, Jen, for the past almost hour, really giving us an insight on unlearning what it means, but also why it's important for us to be able to acknowledge it, take a moment. I'm not doing a plug, but seriously, for people listening out there, go check out Jen and what she does, reach out to her. We'll put a link. We'll be shouting uh, on our social media on this. And again, just a big thank you for jumping on this podcast with us, you know, quite early on Saturday morning. Well, it's early for me anyway. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Three Musketeers, hosted by Hamid and Hissam Amiri. Don't forget to share and follow, as more thought-provoking episodes with guests around the world will be appearing soon. See you soon.